0: This is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you're enjoying what you've been hearing so far. Today, I have a fabulous guest with me named Kelly McCutcheon, who is the vice president of training for Hop Dotty Burgers, uh, also the regional director of CHART, which I'm sure I'll screw up in the acronym, so I'll let her fix that for me later, and also a mom of two dogs, just like me. So we're going to talk about that, too. Kelly, thank you so much for being here.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So you've got a super interesting story. You started out as a theater major and somehow ended up as an executive in training for hospitality. What happened? Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's not that many,
1: um, you know, steps to Kevin Bacon as there are steps in this story. Right. So. Um, if you've played the Kevin Bacon game, so uh, as a theater major, you get a job in a restaurant, right? As you, you know, you're going to auditions at uh, gearing up for for those shows at night, and you're waiting tables by day. and that's kind of exactly what I did. Or more appropriately, I was a theater major in school. and um, over summer break, I was, sitting at, at a table in a restaurant and i thought how do servers do it how do they how do they know how to get my refill and know when it's time for my check and i was just fascinated by it so the next week needing a summer job as you do um i applied and uh the rest is history and many 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 years later um you know that i can look back to that very event sitting at that table and leading me to where i am today um, And I I think it's just something that, you know, restaurant people will know what I'm talking about. Like we, we may have other passions and, and maybe have other ambitions. And then we start working in the restaurant. We're like, dang, I'm good at this. Like, this is, I want to, I like being there, you know, I'm drawn to that place. I like the people I work with. And I like the satisfaction of, you know, people's eyes lighting up when I, get to their table with a tray of food and you just kind of fall into it and you're good at it. And uh, the rest is history.
0: So that's, that's kind of a little bit of my backstory. So how do you teach that? How do you teach the satisfaction of the customer's eyes light up? I love the way that you put that, right? And you can totally see where somebody would fall in love with the hospitality industry when they cause that reaction in someone. But if somebody doesn't naturally do it, how do you train it into them?
1: Well, so the first thing I would say is that you hire for it, uh, but I know that that's kind of the easy out right um because yeah, you do have to cultivate that a little bit, so um we look for that spark because they don't have to have a full blown you know ignited fire, but they have to have the spark that we can then um tend to, and once they have that, I think it, some something that's a part of the kind of the revolution of our industry, I think is that you can come to work every day, clock in, clock out, deliver food, but the underlying what's happening to you is like this, you're being developed for so many other things that can benefit you that have these ripple effects to the rest of your life. We call it, at, at Dotty, we call it developing the whole person. And um, I think through some positive reinforcement, through um, setting the goal, but then letting people discover that part of themselves, or discover how they get there, is really important. And um, I'll give you a quick example. So, um, one of the things that we try to do at Hapdot is cultivate individuality. We say there is an I in team, at least as far as there are four in the word individuality. And so, uh, it's probably easier to talk about what holds you back from the eyes lighting up um, than it is to tell you to draw a map of how to get there. And what holds you back are things like giving somebody a script or giving them such specific steps of service that they're so focused on the checklist, they forget to enjoy the moment. Um, And so we really try to create that environment where you start with the higher and making sure they have that spark. And then you create an environment where they're allowed to be themselves. And when you can be yourself, when you're comfortable in your own skin, all of a sudden you're looking at at your guests and your fellow teammates and you're making connections and you're complimenting people and you're having fun. Um, We say that we have fun taking service seriously. And I think that kind of sums up that idea of helping that spark to blossom.
0: I like that. Yeah. In, in another interview that you had done, you talked about setting up guidelines and then letting, letting the people be themselves within those guidelines. And I think that's a really nice way to put that.
1: Yeah. It's one of my training philosophies, give them the tools and then step back and let them do it. Give them the puzzle yeah. pieces, show them what the, the front of the box looks like, right? You got to know what the, what the vision is, what the goal is, make sure they have the pieces, but then they have to put those pieces together.
0: Yeah. I'm not a fan of like, you have to do the following things every day. I'd rather have someone kind of understand what the end goal is and come to those conclusions on their own because then they end up doing the things better. Exactly. What happens when somebody isn't kind of falling into that and doing the things? How do you help them? Such a great question. Um,
1: and that's really what training is, right? We we say, here's the ideal. Then we identify the gaps. Here's the reality, right? And then we have to, what do we fill in that that space with? Um, I think, you know, to, so so Hop Dottie means um, burgers and, and beer, right? It's the mm-hmm. hop in, in beer and the Dottie is a, a nickname for Black Angus cattle. So burgers and beer, and I like to use beer as you know a lot of people talk about like the sandwich theory or like the oreo theory of, of coaching and i like to use um like the no beer. sandwich is that what you mean yeah
0: <laughs> yes, that's so you're so doing great. great we could improve this no let now you're doing great again
1: exactly yeah. so I, I turn that on its head a little bit and i kind of use the the um acronym beer which is uh behavior effect expect expectation and result and so it's not really saying hey you're doing this great necessarily I think there has to be a lot of praise right the first thing that I ask if somebody isn't meeting the mark is well what are they doing right how can I coach them um and a lot of times if if um I'll be working oftentimes training works through somebody to get to somebody else right I'm not necessarily going to that grill cook or that bartender and providing direct coaching I might do a restaurant visit and work with the manager to coach and so you know you might have to say um gosh, that person's just not getting it. Okay, well, what are the names of their kids? You know, what what are they passionate about? And I'm really proud to say at the majority of our teams, our management teams especially, can can answer those questions because I believe you're not going to reach somebody. Um, you know, I, I think the saying is nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Nobody's going to uh, allow you to reach that spark um, until you can make your way past that through, through trust, but getting back to beer. So when we are coaching or trying to get that person to improve, you really have to focus on their behavior. What, what it is, not the person, you know, it's not your bad, you're not doing this right. It's when, you know, when you do this, this is the effect, right? This is the result. And then you set out that expectation. If you tried this, this would be the result that we're looking for. And so you kind of work, around the situation to provide that coaching and then when they get it even if they just move a little bit
0: you, you just shower them with praise yeah exactly <laughs> get that cheerleading uniform right back out, a hundred percent i think that's awesome yeah no, I, and i think that um in every industry it's not just food and beverage but in every industry when you're hiring somebody and and trying to get them to meet the mark to use your words it is it's almost a puzzle right trying to figure it out, and sometimes they exceed your expectations in a place you didn't expect them to. Oh, okay, your job just changed to being something more aligned with that, right? That happens, uh, that happens quite a bit. When you are the VP of training for a restaurant organization, there's a lot of things that anyone working in a restaurant, anybody who's been in a restaurant, you know. The number of things that you gotta do every single day, it's a lot, which means the number of things you have to train for is extraordinary. What are your favorites and what are your least favorites?
1: Oh gosh, oh that's such a good question, and not at all where I thought you were going to awesome. go with it. <laughs> so I awesome pivot, um, because it there is a lot, and um, you know y- you try to make it as simple as possible. You try to connect the training and the doing as close together, um, and gosh, what I love, I love nothing more than watching somebody bite into a hot dog burger for the very first time, especially a team member, not just a guest. I'm not gonna like creepy watch somebody eat, eat a burger from across the, the dining room, <laughs> but when I'm teaching a, a food class and I watch somebody eat our our classic, you know, it's sauce, it's a couple of toppings, it's a patty and, and a bun. And so really simple and they bite into it and their eyes light up and they're like, oh my gosh, this, I get it now, I get it. Um, that is, that I love teaching that um, because there is a complication to that, right? There's so much that goes into that bun and that patty and that, um, dotty mayo and the lettuce and the tomato and the onion and there's just there's so much that goes into that really simple finished product that everybody knows that everybody could cook on the weekend in their backyard grill, but we just you know do it better, different, special.
0: All right, I'm going to let you get to the not favorite one, but it's so funny. So, so the listeners can't see this, but. In the same way that you were talking about when you were a server and how you knew you loved it was the eyes lighting up and you know bringing that moment to your customer, you're approaching training in very much the same way. The the person that you're training is your guest, your customer, and you're waiting for that moment. You're wanting to give them that moment, and that is a really really cool parallel. Oh, absolutely. That's it, it's another one of my training philosophies. Is uh, oh gosh, it's a it's a Chick Fil Aism,
1: right, but, Kathy? Right, if you're not. Uh, If you're not serving chicken, you better be serving the people that are serving chicken. So you just, you take one step removed. If I'm not serving the guests, well, I better be treating our team the way that I would expect them and want them to treat our guests. And likewise, that symbiotic relationship, I get the same fulfillment and the same joy um, from training. I, I have a love of learning myself and, you know, to teach is to learn twice. So to be able to be a part of somebody getting it, that's my favorite thing.
0: All right. So what's your least favorite topic that you have to train on? Ooh, topic in particular. Like the day that you're like, ooh.
1: Well, the day is definitely filled with a lot of different things. I think for me, I'm a detail-oriented person and sometimes I get so caught up in the details. So it's not, not necessarily one specific thing. You know what it is? It's the exceptions to the rule. Those trip me up. <laughs> <laughs> Confession time. Every when it's like, single time we do this except that for this yes there and there's always the exception right there's there's you know never the same sauce on the bottom bone and the top one except for this burger and all these burgers come with lettuce except for this burger and this burger comes with cheese except for this one and I know I'm using all, all um, menu item examples but you know we have that in service too right so um, yeah that's a uh, it's hard to keep track of that I, I wish everybody everything kind of fit into those not people but rules fit into those neat little boxes it would just be so much easier to train
0: <laughs> so i have this vision of you creating a song with all of the like exceptions to the rule like you just did kind of circa the McDonald's song like from way back in like the 80s and training it that way so that they have like a n- n- mnemonic device like my kids can sing all 50 states in their capitals because their teachers thought you know taught them some song about it alabama
1: alaska arizona
0: <laughs> Clark, california
1: colorado connecticut Delaware, Florida. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. have sung
0: it in the car many, many, many a time.
1: It's a, you know, that's what trainers do. We come up with songs to remember things because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So one day we're going to talk again and you're going to
0: sing me the exceptions to the rules.
1: <laughs> First, I'll have to nail them all down. I don't know if I've done that yet. So that, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we kind of move away from the things that we don't like, right? So I, I spend as little time in that area as possible, but maybe that would be a way to embrace it and, and make it fun.
0: Face your fears, man. All right. So you really love training. And I think that that is so awesome that you are super, super passionate about what it is that you do. What myth would you like to debunk about training? What do people always think or always ask you? And you're like, Ugh, no.
1: Hmm. Probably so many of them, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go with more than one. Yeah. You know, I feel like the training world has done some, has gained some good ground on this one, but um, it's the first one that came to mind and I think it's interesting, so I'll share it with you. And that is um, that icebreakers are hokey. <laughs> that, that they're just the things that those training people make us do. And I, I truly believe in the power of uh, the right icebreaker to, to allow us to kind of step outside of our comfort zone and connect in a way to, to learning a new thing or learning about people um, in a way that just talking about something literally can't do. You know, we have to, um, sometimes we get there through a metaphor, right? Or through a different example. And um, probably the best example of that is Patrick Lencioni's um, personal histories icebreaker. So it kind of breaks boundaries of um, you're not just, you know, drawing something or sitting back to back or do you know doing some of those more uh, you know what people would describe as kind of corny um activities but you're you're opening up and you're getting vulnerable and you're talking about your your background and how many siblings you have and where you grew up and um hardships in your life and things like that and it's uh it's really cool to watch people who've worked together for years go i never knew that about you um or that's why you do it this or that's why this is important to you or that and um starting to build that that level of trust and I just you know I, I think there's some compelling thought out there that we should just you know get right into the meeting or get right to the task at hand and I'm just such a big proponent of wait let's let's introduce ourselves let's you know let's get to know each other in a fun way let's do an activity that correlates to the rest of everything that we're going to do today um
0: well, hospitality is a team sport right it's not individual so it makes sense to kind of bring that team building, get to know you, make a human thing into the room.
1: Absolutely. You, you wouldn't have the game without the pregame, right? So don't,
0: okay. dive. don't dive right in without
1: <laughs> pre-shift for icebreaker. Yeah.
0: So elephant in the room, we have a whole pandemic thing going on, right? The restaurant industry, the food and beverage, his hospitality, all have been hit incredibly hard. I know that HopDotty did a great job of kind of, you know, trying to do the right thing to the best of their ability, sort of started the exact same thing. Um, You know, trying to keep everybody on and and make that work. How did you pivot training wise? You know, a lot of restaurants switched from in-room dining, not the word I was looking for, dining in the, you know, the dining rooms to more takeout and curbside and delivery. And now we're back into some kind of hybrid. How have you navigated that?
1: Yeah, well, we're, you know, in a way, I think this industry is very much still in it. I uh unfortunately have friends and colleagues that I'm hearing from that, you know, held on to their career this long and are now just being furloughed or just being let go. And it's so I, I think, you know, we're definitely not uh not out of the woods, but uh, and and Hopdotty definitely experienced our fair share. And I, I will talk about training, but um just to give the listeners a little bit of an overview. Um in, in mid-March, a couple of the ways that the pandemic affected Hopdotty, we we closed 17 restaurants. We furloughed uh, 1,134 team members. I, I will never forget that number. Um, we, you know, immediately had to go to curbside as, as so many restaurants did. Um, and uh, it, we definitely, I think that one thing to our credit that we, we were not afraid to make those tough choices right away so that we could um, immediately turn our attention to rebuilding. So where maybe some others Said, what's the minimum we can do by closing 17 restaurants, by furloughing that many people? We then said, okay, that's done. Now, what can we do? And a couple days later, we were reopening one of those restaurants. And then a few days after that, and then so on. And we were able to reopen 12 of those locations. We're down to um, less than 30 existing furloughed team members. And many of them are, you know, they were college kids working in a place that they no longer go to college. So they're, you know, living at home with their folks, things like that. But, so I think one thing, and this is reflective of training as well, but uh, one thing you know to the credit of the the team that I work with is we really rallied together and um, just stayed focused on uh, what our CEO calls finding the monster ahead of you, and um, not thinking about a week from now or or a month from now, and, and really taking it one task at a time. So training really had to pivot into. communications department um there was no training (laughs) you know when when you furlough over a thousand people you're not you're not training any new hires and although you might think oh well you train people how to curbside delivery or things like that and we didn't know where to start we we said restaurants figure it out and thank goodness they did right um and everybody was kind of doing something a little different Um, but they had to work with you know do you have a Um, Do you have a parking lot where you can have people pull up or do you not? And you have to figure out some kind of drive-through system or, you know, what, what, you know, make it work basically is, is what we went through for a couple of months. So training, you know, we instead focused on, we sent out a daily email and more often than not, it was just checking in like, Hey, how are you? We're still in it. You know, we're, we're fighting where we would send out a daily video um, of our CEO Jeff Chandler just saying, "Hey, this is what's top of mind for me." Or, "Hey, I'm in this restaurant visiting. You know, let's talk to our GM Tony here. You know, Tony, how's it going?" And um, just that reassurance, right? But we had to we had to start with the triage. Like, you have to you have to find where the bleeding is, and you got to stop the bleeding, and then you can you can focus on patching things up and rebuilding from there. Um, we've definitely had an interesting time of it now because we're we're hiring again, and we've had to basically rewrite the book. Right now, here we are, seven months later. And our menu items are different. Our service strategy is different. Um, what our managers do in the morning is different. And so I don't think there's a single piece of training material that's unchanged. So that, that was a big focus of ours for a while, um, was how do we get the people what they need to do the things they need to do? Because when you go from make it work to, OK, now you have to actually teach a new person how to do this, you've got to supply people with the tools they need to do their job. So um that that's been a big focus and a big way that we've pivoted recently
0: so you mentioned earlier that you are a lifelong learner or a lover of learning or i forget exactly what used words you used right so kind of poking around in your uh world before this conversation you did quite a bit of schooling internationally i did uh, how
1: did that come did. about uh happenstance really i um uh and, you know, I think it definitely relates to the restaurant business and I'll get there just briefly though, you know, I, in, in my current position, I do a lot of manager interviews. And the one thing that keeps coming up for people is culture. Um, they're, they're, when people work in the restaurant industry, they want to find the right culture that matches them. And I, I think that, um, I relate to that in my experience, my international experience, um, because you get this appreciation for differences in in culture. Um, You know, I uh, I went, I lived in Brazil for my high school years and um, I haven't been back since. I I miss it terribly, but um, I do wonder how uh, the people are getting along because, you know, you you see your friends at school every day, you kiss them on the cheek, you give them a big hug. I don't know how social distancing happens there. Um, Then I went I, I was fortunate to, um, in college, get to go spend some time in Japan, and you kind of have the opposite experience, right? There's definitely um, an understanding of personal space, although not on the subway, but um, <laughs> you know, there's definitely that that um, respect, right? And uh, so I just I've always been fascinated and loved getting to experience and learn about um, different cultures, and I think in a way that that helps the training programs that I write and facilitate, because you have to be aware that your way may not necessarily be the way that reaches your audience and being open to, you know, there's a thousand ways to get to China, right? That there, there's so many different ways um, to reach people. And I, I, I try to use that in my training. I try to make sure that, you know, it's approachable and not just, it's the platinum rule, not the golden rule right? So the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I, I love a lot of critical feedback. Not a lot of people can say that, you know, I tell me what's wrong. I would want to hear it. Um, and the
0: well, plot, it's hard to get forms. better if you don't get that feedback, you know,
1: Fair enough, yes. But um I'm not the person that, you know, in the stand-up wants the spotlight on them with the, you know, the, the showering of praise. That's not my motivator, but it is for a lot of people. And so I try to make sure my training follows the platinum rule, which is treat others the way they want to be treated, right? And I think I gain that appreciation from having a, a fair amount of international experience.
0: That is super, super cool. So with that perspective, how, who do you go to, right? So You've got all of this experience in the hospitality industry. You've got all these perspectives from different cultures. You're creating all of this content, particularly now in a world where everything is different and changing and you know, teaching people how to do the things that have just changed is super difficult. When you get stuck, when you need help, who do you ask?
1: Oh, well, you mentioned at the at the top of the show um, that I am the, the, the regional training director and one of the regional training directors for Chart, which is the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers. They're my peeps. They, they are definitely my go-to. Um, in fact, we have, um, we have a website that's called ask my peers and kind of our, uh, hidden, um, motto, if you will, is, uh, steal shamelessly. Like we're, we are not afraid to just share our ideas, our best practices. Um, and I, I love being able to pick up attributes that will help make Hopdoddy more successful. Because when the bar is raised for, for one, it's raised for all. Like a, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And um, they're absolutely the first people I go to. And it's kind of a calling all cars. Like help, <laughs> help. Here's my my challenge. And you know, the next day it's here's all here's my idea. Here's this idea. Um, they they just man, you wanna talk about a trust exercise, hold your arms and start falling backwards. They will be there to catch you. So that's that's kind of my go-to. I also um, have a network of people outside of the industry. I've really worked to cultivate some connections that offer unique perspectives because I, I do think that um, you can look outside of the restaurant industry for inspiration that can help inside the, the industry. So um, that's been something fun that I've been focused on Maybe not so, more this year, more of the, the past
0: two years, but um, yeah, it's been really cool to look outside of the industry too. So, speaking of Chart, you do some fundraising with them, right? For an organization called Child Help. Tell me something about that.
1: Yeah, so um, Chart has two conferences each year, and our last conference was in Napa in February. Then we all know what happened in March. So, um, our our conference was Canceled, or and then we um, last month we hosted a hospitality live event, so basically a virtual conference. Um, and because every conference kickstarts with some kind of service event, we have built bikes for kids. We have worked in a um, a food kitchen, a food bank. We've um, gathered school supplies. We've put together, uh, you know, care kits for veterans. Um, Every service, or every conference has this really memorable give back opportunity. And um, our our board really had to think creatively about how do, you, how do we do that virtually? And so we partnered with an organization called Child Help. You can check them out at childhelp.org. And um, it, it's really creative. So we are, you know, we're restaurant people, we're putting together food and drink videos. So it's cooking and cocktails for a cause and um posting them in an effort to raise awareness and to raise funds uh for child help and they have such an incredible story but um the short of it is you know they just they give kids who have needs what they need um if they need support if they need shelter if they need um therapy or resources uh they raise funds to to help provide those resources and um they've got such a long and rich history uh it it's just incredible, and you can definitely find their whole story on childhelp.org, or you can head over to childhelp.org forward slash chart and check out some of our videos, including uh, my most recent uh, crispy kale recipe. So, right. Nice. Uh, well,
0: there's yeah. ever anything that I can do to help on that front, whether it's you know food allergies and kids who are in a situation where they maybe you know are put in danger in a you know yet an additional way through food, anything that we can do to help there, you know, I'm absolutely always happy to do that. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's- Awesome that you're involved in there. I would definitely say you have already helped so much just by mentioning it on the show. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, tell our listeners how they can connect with you and Hopdotty online. Oh heck
1: yeah, Hopdotty first, okay. So you can go to hopdotty.com. Nice easy peasy there. That's h-o-p-d-o-d-d-y.com. Um, check out our our food, our culture, a little bit about our our charity, the um, Good Night for a Good Cause, where we partner with a local charity in each city that we operate in. Um, we have As of tomorrow, we will have 31 locations, um, including our newest at Plaza Saltillo. And as far as I go, you can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, It's Kelly McCutcheon. And if you've clicked on this podcast to listen to it, you probably can see how my name is spelled. So just a little copy paste there and you'll be able to hook up with me.
0: Perfect. And then as we finish up, I always ask at the end of these for two truths and a lie. We're not going to reveal to our listeners here which one is the falsehood. uh, If they would like to know. Please uh, you know, connect with us on one of the social media channels or in the comments on our website. Kelly, take it away. Give us three facts about yourself, one of which isn't.
1: Awesome. So growing up, my family had nine dogs at once. At once is an important distinction. Uh, in addition to theater, I majored in Japanese and dance. And I graduated high school in Brazil. If you've listened to the whole thing, you may have picked up some hints along the way.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you want to hear more, please follow and subscribe the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. You've been listening to Shandyland. I am Shandy Chernow, and I'll talk to you soon.